Welcome to the Nature Pact podcast, where we are talking with our guests about their visions of the new green world. My name is Tarmo Verki, and in this episode I'm talking with Dan Luining from Dutch startup Meetable. And yes, they work on meat. Hey there, I'm Merit, I'm the CEO and co-founder of Single Earth, and we are building a nature-backed currency to empower you to fight against climate change and biodiversity loss. Sign up at Single.Earth and be among the first to switch to a truly sustainable, nature-based economy. And don't forget to join the discussion around climate change and biodiversity loss on our Discord channel. Enjoy the show. Hi, Don. Welcome to Nature-Backed. Hi, thank you for having me. Tell us a few words. What is Meetable? Meetable is a company that is revolutionizing the way that we are making food and mainly focused on meat. So the way that we're producing meat right now is not going to be sustainable for the future. We're rearing 60 billion animals every year for our daily consumption. And I think it's become more apparent in the last decade how damaging this system is to the environment. If you would scale this down, it could live perfectly in harmony with nature. But the, since we only in the Netherlands eat two and a half million kilograms of meat every day, it has taken such a shape that more growth is, is not going to be feasible for near future. So we are revolutionizing this in the way that we're taking only a very small part of the animal, the cells. And we replicate actually what nature is doing by itself, but only and without the entire animal attached to it. So we give the cells food, what they usually would consume if it was still attached to the animals. So these are sugars, these are proteins, these are salts. And they absorb this to make more cells. And once we have enough of these cells, we turn them into muscle and fat. And this is what we make for steak or sausages or any other meat product that you have. Mm -hmm. uh, that's basically what we're doing. And this way you can reduce the amount of input, the uh, amount of methane that's being produced. We don't produce any methane this way because they don't have any guts, right? Uh, the land use, the water use is significantly reduced. So it has an immense climate reductive, uh, reductible impact next to, of course, the animal welfare, which is, is also still important. So this together, we, we really have set out to make a, an impact on this planet by doing as much good as we can by creating a new food, what people still will recognize and won't be able to tell the difference because it, it is actually the same, but without the need for slaughtering an animal ever again. So, I mean, the key question from all meat lovers is surely, does it taste different? No, it doesn't. It's it's the same. It is literally the same stuff. So if you would ask me, is this vegan? No, this is animal protein. It mm. literally comes from an animal. It is the same stuff that you would buy in the store. It is 100% identical. Mm. Only that, uh, you know, the part which comes from the animal is uh, a microscopical part of the total steak or... Right. But then by doing so, this is why the slogan of the organization is the new natural. Mm -hmm. Since cells have the ability to divide and have the capacity to turn into muscle and fat. But now we're doing that in a controlled environment. And it's nothing, it's nothing that, uh, different than like the agricultural revolution that happened very long ago. Right. We went from hunters and gatherers and then we controlled the environment of the animal to put them into a stable. And then our food source was more secure. And now this is a second revolution in agricultural sciences where we're not just putting the animal uh, in the controlled environment, taking a small portion of the animal, put it in the controlled environment. Mm. It's really a, a new way of thinking. And that's why the slogan of the organization, the new natural is, is so fitting, I believe. Mm. And basically, you don't need to kill any animals or how do you take the uh, how do you take the first cells to start growing from? 
Yeah, just there's a very small biopsy. I mean, you're using very special cells, and uh, I don't maybe want to get too technical, but mm. I, of course I love this because my background is in cell molecular biology. Is they called pluripotent cells? Big word, but it, what it means is that these cells have an immense capacity for growth and can ba basically be turned into any cell that you want. But of course, we are most focused on the muscle and the fat because that's what makes a delicious product. Okay, and uh, I noticed somewhere that your company was founded in 2018 only. How far are you with that kind of development process and getting it to the market? Well, I've, I've been in this field from the very early days, since 2013, when the first burger was launched, that I worked on that. Mm. So I was really there from the start, but only then, like you said, four years ago, started Meetable with a unique breakthrough uh, in biology and been working on that ever since. And now very rapidly closing on a market launch in Singapore in, in around 2024, 2025. Okay. So still a couple of years to the market. Yeah, but a couple of years will be over. You know, we had just had two years of COVID. Seems like it passed by in an eye blink. Exactly. Exactly. But uh, why Singapore first? They are very keen on adopting technologies that will allow them to produce food inside of the city. They don't have agricultural land and they only produce about five to 10% of their food themselves. Okay. And talking about COVID, you know, when the, when the trucks stop driving, then Singapore will starve. Mm. If you are not producing your own food and there's, if there's a shortage, what we have been seeing now globally has been tensions are rising. People are more keen to produce food themselves, have food security, uh, new ways of producing uh, food for food stability. And this is definitely one of them. Mm -hmm. uh, they're also looking into vertical farming, into precision fermentation, but also cultivated proteins is on their 30 by 30 strategy to produce 30% of food themselves at 2030. Okay. And therefore they have developed a regulatory organization that is very welcoming and very helpful to these new types of technology. Not saying that they will, that, that it's easier to get in there, definitely not, but at least there's an active communication channel and there is active willingness to get this new technology inside of uh, the country. Mm. Is, it, is the willingness regula regulatory or is it money? I think both a little bit. Building factories to produce food costs a lot of money. And as a startup, uh, you know, this is always a struggle. Like, okay, when are you going to go big and how are you sure? And that will is an interplay with the regulatory framework because you can only decide to spend the money to build a big factory if you know that the regulatory framework is prepared for such a product. So those two actually go hand in hand. Mm, of course. Uh, how about scaling? I mean, uh, Singapore alone is probably, you know, of global consumption a fraction. How can you kind of, I don't know, how can you actually have a significant impact on the global agriculture? Well, th this is the first launch, right? So this mm. is also for us to discover how does the consumer react to this type of products? Because now, of course, we've been asking surveys and doing research, but until there's actually a option in the supermarket where you have a shelf where you have normal uh, sausages where you can, you know, you recognize this as an animal product in the next to it, you can clearly see, oh, this is this is a different product. It does, it is, it's the same in nutritional value, it's the same of its origin, but only produced in a different way. And then and then seeing how that interaction would go with with consumers and uh, think, uh, let them think about it. This is the start. Mm -hmm. And like I said in the beginning, two and a half million kilograms every day. Man, that's a lot of product that you have to do. So making progress in scaling will go hand in hand with higher demands. People will get more accustomed to this. People will have more opportunities to buy this. And then while we are building the factories, we'll probably see more traction overall in the world where people will start to realize that there's a new way that they can uh, consume a very delicious product and mm -hmm. without 
killing a lot mm. of animals. Um, I mean, you know, the classical way of killing the animals has been um, kind of from the cost perspective. It has, you know, inside the cost only part of it. Nobody has been paying for the methane emissions, etc., which has been kind of the free addition on the cost side for the producer. Uh, I would expect that growing the meat inside the factory does cost a lot of money. How, how do you manage the cost base? Um, so to maybe get back on your on your first uh, premise, which I really mm. really like, like saying, okay, we're not paying for the methane, but it's actually a double payment. So we're not paying for the methane that is being produced, but we also are paying. The government is paying for subsidizing the feed of the animals. So the price is is super unrealistic actually when you mm. go to a supermarket it doesn't really reflect the cost so we're peddling on both sides of that the other thing is that uh our product will come down in cost at, at scale since there are three things that you will have to accomplish before this became this can have the impact that we are setting have or set ourselves out to one is taste if it doesn't taste good nobody will eat it you know it's very simple as that mm. second is scale if it's not available enough people won't have the opportunity to buy it and the third is cost if you need to pay an exorbitant amount for a meat product, which is now isn't, people will refuse to buy it. So these three things will, will have to work in harmony to make sure that everybody can afford and have uh, access to it before this becomes a mass adoption product. And then with that economy of skill, you can reduce the cost. Mm-hmm. In the beginning, now at the skill that we are right now, it's all very expensive because we're still developing a lot. Of we're course. still doing a high throughput uh, research. We're using expensive equipment. But once you have set out, all oh, this is the process. We're going to lock this in and now produce in a very large scale. There is a lot of opportunity to reduce costs in that part. Mm. I think the cost side is something which has been a challenge for many of the you know new ecological products and so on. You know, often asking three times the money than the you know old old world. Uh, you know. C- good enough for many people products so the challenge of you know leaping is is quite a quite big one right but it, it's it's a bit unfair right since it's basically asking somebody uh, saying oh well you can have a gasoline car uh, or the fur that has like a 100 year history of optimization on large-scale production on um supply chain management already helping to reduce costs and then oh we have this new electric car which is now very expensive but trust me if you buy it now we can reduce costs over time so that is also i think the arena where we uh, uh, place ourselves in in the beginning for every new product there will be a premium but by having traction and people willingness to see the potential of this for doing good in this world uh, helping us to eventually overcome that hurdle to uh, to get to a stage where this can can become a mass product mm-hmm. exactly the um, how about this field uh, of kind of you know vegan like real products? I'm sure you're not the only player trying to create those products. How is it the field around you developing? So from the start, I was once one in five people that worked on this. That's pretty unique. It's basically when you're starting to first to make the first uh, semiconductors and saying, "Oh, this is going to be an iPhone one day." It is the biggest privilege of my life and seeing the transformation and now. I think over a hundred players getting into this space. I think we're doing what we're doing is the best. I have a very unique vision of how this field developed and what type of technologies would be beneficial to reduce the cost. I think that is uh, from the start was very important to me. If you have a nice solution on a very small scale, who cares? You need to think big because this uh, product is eaten globally. And like you said, cost is uh, definitely a major factor. So if you don't take care from that at the start, you won't reach cost levels in the end. 
Um, so over 100 players, there are a lot of different methods. Um, I think there will be more players succeeding, and I hope so, because in the huge amounts what we're talking about, I don't think it's winner-take-all. It would not be possible. We need help from other people to make sure that we can reduce the amount of animals in this world fast enough so that we don't eat ourselves to death. Mm, exactly. So it's going to be it's going to be a mixed bag, and some people specializes in different species. Some people doing fish, some people are doing chicken. We are focused on cows and pork at the moment, and but eventually we want to see how we can further broaden the scope. Of this. Mm. And of course, in addition to you know growing it from the cells, in a way that in a similar field are there all the kind of plant-based alternatives to meat, right? Yeah, it, uh, I think it's amazing if you see. Um, 10 years ago, yeah, maybe 10 years ago, if you go to a restaurant and you would order the vegetarian dish, man, it was cardboard with ketchup. That's what you could get. But now it's this explosion of variety and alternatives that you can have. So uh, for me, it's really an end game. And we should start eating a little less meat because we are eating uh, too much meat. And we should start eating plant alternatives. And we should start uh, eating cultivated one. It's going to be this, this plural of innovations that we'll need to make a more resilient food system for the future. Mm. It's always a bad advice when you say, oh, put all your eggs in one basket, right? Oh, plants going to win. Oh, this going to win. I don't think that's the case. You should diversify. And for as a consumer, I think it's great to have all these options What and a new opportunities for you to, to explore. How great is it that you can go to a store and now have a different variety of plant alternatives and mix them maybe in a dish with meat, um, cultivated alternatives uh, new food always excites me uh, and especially the way that we're producing it always uh, is always fun to explore mm. it's fun to explore and when it, at the point when it tastes amazing it's even more fun and, and i can tell you says uh, as founders with this regulatory has been quite constrictive but as founders we were able to taste the product and we have and it's it, it almost brought me to tears it is so unique to think that you're tasting something like your brain registered. Like, hey, yeah, this is, I wouldn't I'd not be able to distinguish it. This is pork. But then realizing, wow, really what, what we make is the same stuff. We always say this, right? What we make is the same stuff. But then actually experiencing it yourself was a, a huge moment for me. Huge moment. Was it a long time ago? No, no, I'm still, we're, we're still for as new, as new uh, products uh, that we're making here in, in the kitchen where I am right now. The, the chef comes to me and says, like, Hey, we made a new iteration. What do you think about this one? Is it better or worse? And, yeah, and I'm tasting it again. Like every time it, it, it's flabbergasting. Wow. Must be, must be amazing feeling. It is. It is. It's, it's, it's one of the most privileged positions I've ever been in my life, realizing that. So much, so much help and so much effort went into this. I have an amazing team here, almost 90 people from t more than 20 different nationalities doing everything from the cells to the food to the large-scale production, all working together to make sure that we can have a more resilient food system in the future. That, that is really, I think, what binds the people here at Meetable is the, the desire to do good. And yeah. I'm very, very proud of that. Really, really cool. The 90 people, I noticed you have raised quite significant amount of money from the venture capitalists, right? Yeah, we, we, we definitely raised uh, quite some money uh, for and uh, moving forward to the, to the, through the stages of being first a very exploratory work to get some traction on the methodologies and now moving to a semi-upscalable part. And then if now with the... Uh, outlook for the next years going for uh, for really a next step in, in skill and innovation. Um, 
I'm just only say I'm so excited for what's coming, and especially seeing from like this where we started, it was 25 square meters of, of lab space, and now we are moving to new facilities. Even the place where we're in right now is not 25 square meters, right? We don't sit 25, uh, 90 people in 25 square meters, but now going to a new place uh, to make sure that we can house everybody and be together and have all the equipment needed for the skill production. We last week. Uh, on Thursday, we were there to see the new places now being constructed, and you could the, the excitement was palpable. It was so cool to see because everybody chipped in on designing it. What do they want? How can we make it more efficient? How can we make a space where everybody will feel at home? And and really, it all has come together. So cool. Um, what's next for you? I mean, uh, of course, you're looking at kind of the 24, 25, the Singapore launch, but. Uh, but the kind of what what will happen next in twenty three? In twenty three, well, um, twenty three will be all be preparation. Mm. Since to get to market launch is a lot of work, a lot of communication, a lot of documentation, and uh, still also what they call technology transfer. So to get to Singapore, we have we have a process here, and now we need to pick it up and place <sighs> it in Singapore and make that work, and then get all the documentation and the boots on the ground to make sure that everything is in place for them for the market launch in that in that location. So it's more preparation for for myself. I think these times, uh, you know, you, you see some turmoil in the world and you see uh, a lot of things happening in the economical market. For me, it's more a time to reach out hands to everybody around me to say, hey, we need to do this together. If you have something of value, I'm more than happy to collaborate. What can we do together? Uh, since one thing I learned in this journey is nearly nothing is accomplished by yourself alone. You need so much people that want the best for you. And the only way to create that is also want the best for other people. And that is really what I think 423 is all about for me. Reaching out, seeing who's willing to participate, who's willing to help, even who's willing to listen. I think that is already enough if you uh, if you become more aware of that this is coming and won't be surprised. Or tell your family, right? Tell, tell your grandpa, hey, this is happening. What do you think? Uh, and he might be surprised that this is even coming and he might be even a little bit resistant in the beginning. But then if he, what we've seen is the more people understand and while we explain, the more people recognize that this is a direction that we should go into since they also realize that the uh, current system is not built for the uh, the skill that we are right now. Mm, I want to see it in a, a great grill restaurant. Uh, last week, I took a couple of my friends here around here on the island, and uh, they needed to have meat. So we found them a grill restaurant, which made nice. you know big steaks. So the challenge next is to somehow get it into the grill restaurants to replace the you know dead animals. Mm, that would be that would be quite amazing to actually go to a restaurant and and see the product. You can just order it on the on the on the the menu. Yeah, that that will be I think for me another teary moment. I bet, and and you know it doesn't have to be, it doesn't even have to be on the menu. It has to be you know steak, you know whatever whatever animal you do, steak. It doesn't have to be written the technical details of the, mm. you know what software was used to de design this. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> no, it's a, well, it's all about the experience, right? It's, I think that it is what I've also realized in in this doing this work is that humans are amazing at tasting stuff. They can. They will be able to tell slight different. For example, if you leave a bag of potato chips open just for an evening, 
you will tell the next day something is hot. So really, it's all about the experience when it comes to food. And there's a lot of emotion, a lot of culture, and all these things work together. And then when you eat something, and like you said, with your friends at the table, then it's all about, oh, what do I experience currently of nutrition that I'm, I'm taking? And then it can be so much more than just, just stuff that you put in your mouth. It can be a, a moment of sharing together and, and enjoying something. Because it's one thing that we all share in common as humans, we all eat all day, every day. All day, unfortunately, yes. Yeah, yeah. I have to look at the mirror. <laughs> at least for me, because I love to eat. <laughs> That's a perfect job for you. Then, I think we're starting to slowly wrap up. Um, talk. We talked a little bit about the future, uh, a little bit about the great emotions, a little bit about maybe maybe something I have asked from the visitors is um, you know the downturn, the whatever the economical turmoil of Europe. Uh, I mean, you are pre-market, really. How does it have any impact on you guys at you know this stage? Oh, I think it's it's there are pros and cons. The pros are you can see already producing companies that sales are declining and market shares are declining, and that of course has influences on your daily practices. We don't have that because we're still not selling products, so we don't see that shift. Like you said in the beginning, factories cost a lot of money. So to raise money from uh, the open market, there's where we can see a little bit more conservatism. But even that is starting to pick up back again since all the VCs have already closed their funds and raised the money. So it's in the bank. And with inflation and uh, with the world just continuing as it is, even though there is a lot of stuff going on, they still need to get that money into the market. So there we can already see people, the deals picking up, uh, having more conversations. So we're not too worried about that. But yeah, uh, nothing is certain, of course, for tomorrow at this stage. Um, We're just doing our best. And the only thing I think what we can do is work hard to get that first product to market. And then uh, eventually, uh, uh, hopefully the markets have been picked up by then to make sure that we can... uh, get a bright future mm. for uh, for this industry. Mm. Thanks, Dan. Uh, and good luck to Meetable. And I'm really waiting for that local gris- grill restaurant on the island here to start serving. I'll, I'll let you know. As soon as it comes out, I'll, I'll come over and uh, we can eat some steak together. Good stuff. Let's do that. All right. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Cheers. Cheers. Join us again for the next episode. Thank you for listening. If you like the show, please give us a good rating and leave the feedback in your podcast player so others will find it too. We will be back next week. Turn on to Nature Back Podcast. Hey there, I'm DC. I host the Rock Podcast. Back to the arena, the interviews. It's about a 30-minute podcast where I talk one-on-one with a band who has released new music. You can find us on all the best podcast sites like Spotify, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, and more. If you're a rock band like me, subscribe today to Back to the Arena, the interview. Electric Acid. Electric Acid. Welcome to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing, where we harmonize your mind, body, and soul. I'm Amanda, your sound therapy expert. And I'm Stephen, the curious explorer uncovering the mysteries of sound. Together we explore vibrations, frequencies and the power of sound therapy and tuning forks. Discover ancient wisdom, reduce stress and tune into a healthier life. Subscribe to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing today.